Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herb Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is a good friend, Annette Scoggin. Annette is a certified master athletic administrator. She's a longtime athletic director in the state of Arkansas, and she's also a past president of the NIAAA. Uh, she's currently taking a break from uh, being an athletic director, but she's very active in a couple of different enterprises that are aimed at uh, helping others. So we'll give her a chance to share a little bit about that. But Annette, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I love all you're doing for athletic directors and coaches across the nation and even the world. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, you know we're excited to have you on the program. So as you know, it's a busy time for uh, athletic directors and everyone. So we'll jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and how a love of sports uh, sort of led you into this uh, career of being an athletic administrator. Okay, I'll be quick. Well, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, which right now is snowed in. Um, I went to Henderson State University. My family had an emergency, so instead of going D1, I stayed close to home, which was great because I went to a wonderful university and was able to play two sports. Um, from there, I went on to Texas and had an athletic career. I was fortunate enough to get into the career right when Title IX, all the schools were mandated to hire a female coordinator or female AD, so from the get-go, I was able to be in athletic administration. Um, played college volleyball and basketball and then traveled nationally on the softball team. So I've been in love with sports all along. Well, take us through um, that, uh, that time where, you know, post-college, you know, now you're starting to get involved as a teacher and coach. Uh, you know, how did that develop into, you know, that first job as an AD? Well, like I said, I was fortunate enough right out of college, every job offer I had, which back then ranged from $8,000 to $20,000. So, um, but they all had that title with them. Now I didn't have any clue what I was going to do with that title. Um, and into my second year, I had a car wreck. Um, and at that point in time, they didn't think that I would ever be able to really walk or speak again. So that kind of put, put me back, but I learned what I love about education was the AD, everybody, took my PE classes, took my teams. They're like, we want you here. We don't want you to have to pay. We'll sub in for you. The whole community came together. And at that point I was like, I don't know if I ever be able to walk or talk again, but what I know is if I can, 
I'm going to give back to this career and this education because it's all about family. Well, I, I mean, I, I heard just a little that you had had an accident many years ago. I didn't know it was that severe. Wow. Um, talk to our listeners about that very first athletic director job. You know, what do you remember about it like it was yesterday? You know, what might you, uh, you know, maybe do differently now that you know what you know? Well, I, I definitely would be a little more open to listen to people instead of just here's our handbook and here's what we're going to do about this and you're not going to be on the team. I mean, everything back then was kind of black and white. You know, you really old school type mentality and, and especially in the smaller communities, you know, it's that's how things were done. And, you know, if someone acted up in the classroom, go get the coach or the AD and those kind of things. So, you know, looking back now, the collaboration, learning and understanding other people and how change affects them, how um, thinking outside the box or bringing something new to them, how, how gracefully you need to do that as opposed to this is what we're gonna do and you know we're the leaders and this is how we're gonna follow it. So embracing and collaboration as, a, as an older AD, I think that's what I would have done better as a younger AD. No, I, I think uh, you know, we all uh, can take that particular uh, lesson and uh, look back and wish we would have used it a little bit more. Uh, you've touched a little bit about mentors. And in our profession, you know, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentoring that next generation. So who are some of your mentors, either teachers or coaches you might have had growing up or people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, as I always say, uh, I still hear those voices in my head uh, from my mentors. So whose voices do you still hear? Well, I still hear Jim Dickerson, who is now a retired athletic director, but he was, um, I was in junior high and the high school team needed some extra players to move up for the state playoffs. And so I was one of the athletes who moved up and actually ended up starting in the state tournament. And so that was a big challenge to knock some people out of a starting position. But he taught me a lot as a coach, um, how things should be and how you should treat people and how to communicate. And then later on became an athletic director and he was an athletic director. So I leaned on him a lot. Uh, Hartzell Jones and Dr. Rollins from Springdale were excellent. Um, of course, my college coach, Jane Tavir, was an icon with Title IX and starting off. And so to be able to stay connected to her and ask questions about being a female in the profession was excellent. I just, there's so many wonderful people I've worked with and mentored, but those are a few that really, I, I still can pick up the phone and I still hear some of the things they say, like, you know, don't go over to this building principal and approach him this way. Go over to this building and principal and talk to him this way. And so, you know, Hartzell Jones was excellent with that. Dr. Rollins was excellent with that on how to understand different personalities and how to approach them. Yeah, I mean, it's just so important to have that network. And it's always great to hear these stories about the people that helped us get where we're at. Uh, it's a great reminder we didn't do it on our own. Um, Talk a little bit to our listeners. Uh, we have a lot of younger ADs that listen in. Um, talk to them about your journey with your state association and you know with NIAAA um, and and how that just didn't happen. Uh, you know, talk about the steps of uh, you know again taking the LTI courses and just leading all the way up to your CMAA. Well, first um, I was in Arkansas and I was at a private school. And there were no other female athletic directors in the state at that point in time. And so I was a little nervous. I was young in my early 20s. And of course, I'm just coming off the car wreck. So my speaking skills and, and all my skills weren't really where they needed to be. They still 
grow every day. But I, I just said, you know what? I'm going to walk in this room, this conference, and I'm going to go to the front table. And I'm going to ask those nice gentlemen if I can sit down with them, please. And just go from there. And I want to tell you, Johnny White, Johnny Johnson, Doug Kilgore, they're all like, sure, <laughs> have a seat. I mean, and from there, I mean, they just helped me along and I was able to be the first female president. I was able to teach the first LTI course. Of course, that, that's because Doug, uh, Bill Mayo said, you're going to teach it. I really didn't have an option. That's just Bill Mayo, if you know him. I said, okay, I'll do it. I don't know if anybody will come since I'm a female and I, these are all the guys, but I mean, it was great. And from there, I just didn't ever feel like there was a difference in them and, and myself. So from, I went on to be section six at large rep on the NIAAA board and, and was honored and humbled to become the president and do what I could do to serve others, even on a bigger globe with NIAAA. Uh, again, I think the the start of your story, walking in and going up to that front table, you know, you made that decision to get involved, and you know, just so important to to take that first step. Uh, coaches, you know, I think many of us have said this. Coaches tend to keep things close to the vest. Uh, ads are just the opposite. You know, they can't wait to hear a story and and help someone out. So, uh, you know, very cool. Um, one of the things we like to do with our podcast is hopefully share this idea of best practices. And you certainly had great success as an athletic administrator, and you've certainly seen some great programs out there. So um, what are a couple of things looking back at the schools that you have been the AD at that you can look back with uh, equal parts uh, pride and humility and say, Boy, we really did a great job. We did it better than anybody else. Uh, what are a couple of best practices you can share? I, I do believe as a, as a person and as an AD, you need to volunteer outside of your profession and you need to take professional development outside of your profession. And so that was a real focus of mine throughout my career. If I was gonna be better for myself to better serve others, I need to learn not just about education, but about the world and, and how other people did things. Um, and I look back, you know, race for the cure they're like will you serve on our board and I'm like I'd rather just volunteer at you know one of the race handing out water or something and they're like what I'm like you know that I got to learn a lot from how you run an event to the other side of how you treat the people that run an event um professional development I took um ESL courses because in Springdale we had a number of, of English language learners second language and so you know, I need to be able to relate to them and I need to be able to teach my coaches how to relate to them and their culture, but I couldn't teach what I didn't know. So I would definitely encourage them to go and get, you know, what can I do to better serve my community and what can I do to better serve myself to serve others? Um, some other things in Springdale, we did um, three school service and three community service. Um, we raised a lot of money. Um, of course, Gus was there before and he raised a lot of money. So that was kind of the culture but the culture was always just kind of sticking out your hand and saying, hey, support us, support us, support us, instead of what can we do for you? And then how can we partner together? So shaking hands and building relationships through our kids, through our coaches, even with our two rival schools on the other side of town, the football program's doing something together as one. Um, so things like that, that you really can build and, and grow on relationship wise, but also grow as a person to better serve others. Uh, oh, we lost, I lost it for a second, but we're back. 
Um, it, it's just so important. You hit it out in the head, uh, building those relationships and, and whether it's asking for support or, or just promoting your program, uh, getting the kids out there, getting the coaches out there uh, is you just can't beat it. The dividends are uh, immeasurable. Okay? Good stuff. Yeah. You got to, you know, you have to take responsibility. I see that a lot that um, younger ADs or even younger coaches or parents, you know, it's always the coach's fault or it's always someone, you know, just step up and, it, you know, if my coach messed up, I'm like, you know what, that's my fault. I didn't prepare them by doing X. And then we might have a conversation or, if, you know, if they want a big game, oh, I'm going to promote you up. I, you know, I want to lift you up. I want to get you in every media outlet I can. I want to do everything, awards, banquet, whatever we can to lift you up and just promote you. Even when coaches went to look for other jobs, you know, superintendents would say, we don't want to lose this coach. And I'm like, I want what's best for that coach. If that coach wants to move up to another program, I want to support them because we prepare the people below and there's people that want to come work for and with us. So I, I think, you know, giving credit where credit's due, stepping in the back and, and cheering them on and also taking responsibility and being the one wearing the bulletproof vest when you need to is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you've been in athletic, uh, you've been in athletic administration for a, a few years now. And um, looking back, um, obviously, there's been some changes, you know, technology, uh, probably at the top of the list. But other than, you know, computers and emails and things like that, what are some changes that you've seen uh, in the day to day routine of an athletic administrator since you first got involved? Well, I do believe it's become more of a business job. And in that aspect, that's where we're at times, especially the district office is losing touch with, you know, putting kids first and thinking about those things. And, but you've also got to be trained on how to raise money. You've got to be trained on the legal affairs, um, the things going on with transgender. There's so much that you have to do that in so many hats that you have to wear that are different now you know, back in the day, you kind of set up the gym, you wipe, you know, did the floor, you did the money, and you still do those things, but you also have to know all the legal issues. You have to handle the COVID issues. You know, you have to hiring practices and due process, stuff like that. Um, so I've seen the job evolve almost to similar to an, a superintendent's job is you, you've got to be able to do everything. And then you've got to be able to go down here and remember why you got into this career, which is working those games, going those games. And and, and interacting with your coaches. No, absolutely, it's become much more global uh, than you know. Definitely, when you and I were back in school. Um, talk a little bit about um, the athletic director's relationship uh, now uh, with parents versus you know maybe fifteen or twenty years ago. You know, how has that changed? Well, it it definitely. You know, people used to say, if you have a problem with a coach as a kid, you send your kid to talk to the coach. And you saw it evolve through the years. It was, you know, the parents would talk. And now with social media, you know, you almost have to, have to get ahead of things. That 24-hour rule that we used to have, you know, don't talk to the coach, don't talk to anybody until everybody's cooled down after 24 hours. You can't afford for that to be anymore. You've got to take action and be proactive instead of reactive. So, you know, when you're at those games or your assistants are at those games or you're building administrators, if something's going on, you know, spreading the word as quick as you can so you can get ahead of it and saying, you know, I want to listen to you. I want to hear your side. There's two, three sides to every situation. Let's try to come together and collaborate and see what's best for the kid. And the other thing is taking, taking that student athlete into account. A lot of times they're left out of the conversations. And when you get to them, 
that's not what they wanted or needed at all, whatever the situation was. So, you know, embracing everybody um, for the new ways that we do things, but leaving that 24 hour rule, 48 hour rule, I, I just don't think you can afford to do that anymore. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, being proactive and as you said, being uh, trying to get ahead of it, um, you know, that's going to bear some good fruit. You mentioned COVID and uh, I know you're not out of school right now, but um, one thing we've seen and for our listeners, we're recording this episode on uh, February 19th. So we're coming up on one year of uh, being uh, under COVID. But um, looking across the country, we've seen a wide variety of responses uh, from schools, from state associations, from county health departments. Um, so from your, your perspective, what have you seen uh, as maybe some best practices and, and maybe some things that you might have done differently uh, from a AD game day management perspective? Well, there are so many different ways out there. I'm actually a volunteer basketball coach, assistant basketball coach. So I've been able to see a lot of things and a lot of different angles on how people are handling COVID. Also, I'm fortunate enough that the network is large and people call and go, hey, do you know what so-and-so is doing? Or can you you have some time on your hand? Do you mind researching this for me? You know, whatever it may be. And of course, with all the webinars and things there are now, the podcast to learn from each other so quickly. But the, breath, the best practices, you know, the going online ticketing, being able to manage that up front as opposed to exchanging money at the gate, besides the safety of that, but just letting people know, okay, we have 50 tickets and those 50 tickets go to the parents first or, you know, X amount of tickets per family and then boom, boom, boom. But when you don't communicate those things, then people get lost and things can happen as far as up people get really upset. I've been in a number of games where they clear the gym in between the girls and the boys game. And parents who have a boy and a girl playing don't quite understand that. But if someone would have communicated and said, hey, you know, we'll honor your ticket for both games, but what we're gonna need you to do is step outside. So I do believe it all goes back to communication. That's the best practice. Um, and with social media, that's, you can do that. Um, testing and, and so much I've seen the ends where people are like, well, they may have been exposed or they may not have the black and white and getting people back down to, you know, we got, we have to be clear on this. I mean, we've got to be honest, you know, playing the game or practicing or whatever it may be is not above taking care of everybody's health and wellness. So to me, that's, that's the thing I see that we've got to tighten up on is what do we do to ensure everybody's being honest about what they're doing? No, and again, you, you hit it on the head again with communication. Um, you know, you school makes the decision to go to online ticketing, but they don't communicate the process of how you get those online tickets. And you know, parents or students or some groups frustrated. So yeah, you got to uh, you got to tell them what's going on. Uh, I just shared the other day. I had a boss many years ago. He loved the expression. We need to over communicate uh, talking about parents, and and he was right. You know, you need to communicate those things. Good stuff. Um, yeah, when we started these podcasts back in uh, June, uh, the events, um, the tragic events of Minneapolis and uh, even later in Atlanta were still, you know, very much in the news. And I've been asking the athletic directors, what are some things that we can do uh, better as um, administrators? What can we do better in this uh, area of, you know, social awareness, you know, social justice? Um, what can you what can you share with us? 
Well, it goes back to communication. It goes back to accountability and taking responsibility. You don't know what you don't know and you hadn't walked in everybody's shoes. So collaboration, you know, bringing people together and, you know, there's so much out there. I mean, even with our kids on, you know, as assistant basketball coach, I'm constantly sending out, Hey, there's a webinar on this, or there's a webinar on this. And, you know, maybe y'all should form your own group to come together and, and approach the school administration about what you can do, but, you know, empowering and lifting them up and, and learning yourself on what, what do I need to do to help? I mean, we're all in this together and we want the best for everybody. You know, it's students first, it's people's first. Um, and not losing focus of that. We're not in one corner and other corner. We're all together. And, and how do we continue to respect each other, even though we may have different opinions on some things, you know, learning to listen and, and listen for change and listen for understanding and listen for respect. Um, but it all goes back to lifting them up and admitting, I, I haven't walked in your shoes. So tell me what it's like to walk in your shoes and then tell me how I can avoid someone else walking in those shoes if those shoes didn't fit right for you. And if they did fit right for you, how can we get more people's shoes like you've had on and what you've walked in? So it's collaboration and um, working together. Uh, again, I really appreciate you sharing that. And sports is just such a natural environment for that to occur. And, uh, you know, ADs and coaches, you know, have to make sure that, you know, that communication can occur and that there's a, uh, a culture where, you know, people are comfortable sharing. So thanks again. Yeah. It's definitely the platform, you know, athletics um, education is a great platform. It's for learning, you know, student athletes. And so being able to use that platform to be leaders and to be part of the social change and to be part of the acceptance and to be part of those that go, I respect that you don't believe or think like I do, or you don't respect these things and, and lift above. I used to say, we had a bad game recently. I said, you know, we were playing another team. And I said, what would Michelle Obama say right now? And some of the kids are like, wow, you know, what would she say? And others are like, you know, Michelle Obama, they thought I knew her. Well, I, I read her stuff a lot, but you know, how do you rise above? And when they go low, how do you go high? And then how do we work together to go together? Very cool. Great stuff. As I mentioned, um, you're currently involved in a couple of uh, endeavors uh, that uh, are aimed at helping others. Um, what can you share with our listeners about uh, those activities? Well, you know, I'm, I'm in Alabama now taking care of elderly family members, um, which is hard to do with an athletic director career. You really have to be flexible to take people to, you know, cancer treatments or doctor's appointments or whatever. So you know, I looked into what are my passions and my passion and what I feel like I'm on this earth for is to help others. And the two areas I'm passionate about is our finances. I was always fighting for more money in athletics and more money for my coaches. And the other is health and wellness. You know, I need an athletic trainer. I need, you know, strength and conditioning and things like that. I need proper care of my facilities so that they're clean. So I just went in and said, how can I, you know, supplement my income enough to go through this venture where I am for now till I become an ID again and still stay with my passion. And so my pure business is all about health and wellness. We, you know, have supplements that help people lose weight to, you know, pro and Olympic athletes. And then my the business is all about helping people save money on their bills so they have more money to spend with club sports or to pay the fees at their school to play sports or whatever it may be. Or just as a teacher, you know, we don't make a lot of money. So they both are helping people and, you know, do I make a lot of money? No, but 
I make enough to be able to do be here and do what I need to do for family and still stay true to my passion. No, it's, I really appreciate you, you know, including me on, you know, the information uh, posts that you do on Facebook and other platforms. If one of our listeners, and, and again, listeners, I hope you do. Uh, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and find out more about these enterprises, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, they can obviously email me, Annette Scoggin at Gmail, or my phone number is 479-879-1656. We do um, both ventures I do for fundraising for schools and churches and nonprofits, which keeps me connected to, you know, giving back and being a servant leader in that way. So, you know, whatever I can do to help in, in any way, I mean, whether it's about my business or you just need me to research something for you as an AD or as a person or as professional development, whatever it may be, I'm here to help anybody any way I can. And I'm fortunate right now to have enough flexible time to do some things for other people. Okay. Well, again, uh, appreciate you sharing and listeners uh, encourage you to reach out Annette Scoggin at Gmail and uh, you can uh, play this back and get the phone number. I'm not going to make her give it out again. Okay. Annette, this has been great talking with you and catching up, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now we've already established that you are a uh, veteran AD, a hall of fame AD, uh, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Annette Scoggins athletic director toolbox? Oh gosh, three things. That's quick. Um, know, know the legal ramifications of everything and everybody around you and, and the decisions you make. Um, know the ramifications and the positive and negative of change and how it affects people um, positively and negatively. If you don't change, you know, nothing is going to change, but change scares a lot of people. So how do you embrace that? Um, and relationships, I believe the core of everything and everybody on earth is about relationships. And if you can build positive relationships, everything will work out and everything will get better um, and grow itself. But it, if you don't plant the seed and you don't keep water in those relationships, they don't keep blossoming. So build relationships and commit to that every day. Um, I'm gonna say one more. I used to have a stack of notes on my desk and my secretaries would say, hey, you didn't send out three notes today. Every day I sent out three notes, whether it's to the janitor or whether it's to the business that gave us a thousand dollars or whether it's to one of our former players or coaches that moved on somewhere, you know, nurture those relationships and the handwritten note is still as important today as it was years ago. I don't know if I do three a day, but I try to get out at least one handwritten note because you're absolutely right. They are just so powerful. And, you know, you're just trying to say thank you to somebody. And it's amazing how often they'll get back to you and say, gosh, you know, thank you for saying thank you. Uh, really pays dividends. Thank you so much. Annette Scoggin, Hall of Famer, uh, you know, pro athlete, and uh, just a, a really great friend. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for all you do. And like I said, if I can help you or anybody else, just let me know. To our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are also being uploaded on the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.